to the ALT Insider Podcast, dedicated to making you have the most fun possible while living or dreaming about living in Japan. Whether you've been here for years or are just starting to consider it, we've got you covered. And now, your host, broadcasting from somewhere in Japan, James. James here, ALT Insider Podcast, coming to you with another week of Working in Japan. Goodness here. Uh, this show, I need to remind you, is a part of the po- Japan Podcast Network. If you want to check out other podcasts about Japan, go to japanpodcastnetwork.com. Also, it's a Patreon support the show, so you want to support the show, head on over to Patreon and support the show. Just released the latest Q&A video, came up last week for the patrons out there. Anyone can view it, of course, but patrons can only uh, give the questions. So if you want to check that out, that'll be on the YouTube channel. And of course, I'll link it in the show notes page as well. This week, a Kiowa teacher, manager, excuse me, a Kiowa manager in the house, Sean, and uh, yeah, there's a lot to learn from him. Um, that's why I wanted to have him on because he really, he's living his life in Japan. He's having a lot of fun in Japan because he didn't let his hobbies die. Um, that's the main thing you want to learn from him. And also you learn how he became a manager. He started as a normal teacher in Aikawa, now he's manager of Aikawa. So a lot to learn here for sure. Um, so I don't want to spoil everything now, but just please watch it. Um, if I do, he, I forgot to add, uh, to ask him to, you know, about his stuff where you can follow him. So please follow him at Twitter at Bradcat, spelled normally. And he also has a YouTube channel, Count2299, but I'll link it in the show notes page. It's probably easier to find anyway. So go check out his stuff. If you want to learn, learn, uh, you know, hear more from him because he's definitely a cool dude. And uh, yeah, he's been living it up in Japan, having a good time and has for a few years now. So listen to it, listen to this interview, see what you can learn from it, how you can apply it to yourself to maybe, you know, find a better position in Japan. Uh, improve your current position things like that right so and not letting your hobbies die that's very important too because too many people let their hobbies die and they get you know i'm not having as much fun as i hoped and then they blame japan but not themselves for not trying to work and make their hobbies continue right because having hobbies is a little bit of work right so even in japan it becomes even more work sometimes so you might have to work a little harder to still enjoy your hobbies but it's definitely worth it to keep your you know keep your mind your your mental health your mental life straight right so anyways without further ado let's get to it my interview with sean enjoy Hi right, guys, very special guest. His name is Sean. He's been kicking in Japan now for a few years now. How you doing today, Sean? Yeah, good. Not bad, thank you. Nice to have you on here today. I've been on, you know, we've been talking to each other on Twitter for um, more than a year now, so it's nice to have you on here to see. And Sean is in a lot of cool stuff. He's doing a lot of cool stuff in Japan. And one thing I want to admire about you is you definitely kept your hobbies rolling once you got to Japan. Would you agree with that? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think it's definitely um, just like enhanced my hobbies more than anything. So. Yeah, so that hobby is, I mean, obviously a lot of hobbies, but the one, one you most share about on Twitter for sure is your, your hobby of the wrestling. And uh, when I say, you know, he has a, hot, a wrestling hobby, it's serious. Like, you, like, go to all the events, you yeah. meet all the people. It's no joke. Yeah. You have a podcast about it. You definitely take it to the next level, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure, yeah. I mean, when, when I lived in England, um, I mean, pro wrestling is, is pretty big in England, but it doesn't have the same kind of impact as it does in Japan. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... I mean, there's not that many people there in England that really get into it as, as hardcore as someone like I do, for example. But um, in Japan, it seems like it's a whole nother level. So people really get into pro wrestling and they treat it just like any other sport. Mm-hmm. It's up there with like baseball. It's up there with, uh, I don't know, anything really. Yeah, it's like, it just that's one of my favorite things about Japan really is that there's no like halfway hobbies, right? And you know, it doesn't. I mean, in this case, it's wrestling, but a lot of hobbies are like that. But there's no like halfway. You don't take anything halfway. They take it all the way, and you definitely uh, 
you know, do that yourself as well. It's pretty cool. Um, so before we get into your exploits of wrestling exploits and how you, what you do, I want to learn yeah. about what, you know, what was your, what was your spark to decide to want to work in Japan in the first place? Uh, yeah, I, this is a question I get asked quite a lot, um, usually by my students, but, mm. um, like I've always had like a passion for Japan, even from like a young age, uh, going as far back as when I was three, maybe four years old. Um, that sounds crazy, but one of my first toys was actually a Japanese toy. Okay. Uh, do you know Monchichi? No, I don't, but I can Google that. But yeah. Google yeah. If you, if you Google Monchichi, it's like this really ugly looking small, like monkey type, uh, toy. Okay. Um, but my, my mother bought it for me at like some kind of, toy shop or whatever because she thought it was cute and I loved this thing and I carried it around with me everywhere and she'd, she'd ask me like oh what, what are you going to call it what's its name and I was like uh Kuchi I call it Kuchi and she's like Kuchi what, what the hell does that even mean you know uh and the, the, this is the, the scary thing for me the the toy actually has like a like a hole in its mouth so it can kind of suck on its thumb now when I started studying Japanese like later in life and obviously going through basic katakana and that kind of stuff. And it came up with kuchi, which means mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and my, my mind just like exploded. I was like, what? Like, is that just like a scary coincidence? Is that some kind of weird <laughs> kind of, you know, I don't know. But um, it seemed like Japan was always kind of present throughout my whole life growing up. You know, I'd, I'd get random toys. I'd be like, oh, this is awesome. What's this? And my friends would be like, oh, it's such and such from Japan. I'd be like, oh, okay. Oh, what's this movie? Oh, it's it's so-and-so from Japan. I'd be like, oh, okay. This food's great. What is this? Oh, it's so-and-so from Japan. I'm like, look, everything seems to be coming from Japan, so I need to get out there. <laughs> okay. Like, like, everything's calling me. So that's when I started to realize, okay, I need to get out there. And that was about 2011. Um, so I started heavily researching how to kind of get to Japan. Mm -hmm. And I tried all sorts. Honestly, I tried, uh, I tried competitions to try and win, like just a trip to Japan to kind of see what it was like out there. Um, but you know, uh, Victor, uh, give me a break, man. Yep. On YouTube. Yeah. Uh, he actually helped me out as well. Uh, I, I was doing a, a competition that required X amount of likes on it, on a picture and everyone kind of joined in and he helped me out by sharing that on his YouTube and, I came second place for that competition. Ah, that's cool. Second yeah, you place, yeah. You didn't just go, go the normal way. You kind of thought outside of the box then to try to get to Japan. Yeah, yeah, because like, I, I didn't have a lot of money at the time and you know I was working like a really crappy part-time job and I couldn't see myself just being able to drop you know, 1,500 pounds on a trip to Japan. So I had to be smart about it and figure out other ways and, and kind of save my money really carefully. Um, <laughs> But then I looked at uh, teaching English because that seemed to be the most popular route in. And I'd never considered teaching English before. I didn't have any teaching experience. But the most kind of teaching experience I had was at my job. I was in charge of training new members of staff. Mm -hmm. And people would always tell me, oh, Sean, you've got a lot of patience. Uh, you're a really like, clear teacher, that type of thing. And I thought, okay, well, how can I apply that to teaching English? And I looked at doing on online courses like uh the TEFL course I think yeah. is like online and I got one of those which was 120 hours it took me what, like three months I think to get 
And it's not an amazing certificate. It's not like a degree in English or anything like that, but it was definitely just a foot in the door, you know? Yeah, definitely a good idea. Yeah, for sure. And then after that, I started to look at, you know, Aikaiwas. I looked at the JET program and that kind of thing. Uh, I applied for JET twice, uh, failed twice. <laughs> did, did you get the interview or just straight up no? Didn't even get to the interview. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, which I, I, I couldn't figure out why. I mean, not to kind of, to my own horn, but uh, the references I got from my university lectures like brought a tear to my eye. I was like, "This is so beautiful! Like, <laughs> why, why wouldn't they give me a job from this?" You know, and uh, and they're like, "No, we don't want you." I was like, okay, fine. <laughs> so I explored other things. I looked at the the big chain Aikaiwas like GABA, um, ECC, uh, Aon, mm-hmm. and they they had seminars in England where you could go to and you could kind of learn about those Aikaiwas. They were eye-openers for me because that's when I started to realize maybe these aren't the type of companies that I want to work for. Like, okay, let me stop you there then. So what, what, kind, of, what, yeah. what kind of did you what, – what kind of went off in your head say, okay, I don't, I don't want to work here? Um, I mean the, the hours were, were quite intense I think compared to what I was working at the time. Um, and there were like a lot of guidelines, a lot of kind of restrictions. This is the curriculum. This is how we do this. This is how you dress. And I was like, okay, am I just going to – be another cog in the machine here or am I going to have the flexibility to expand my development as a teacher mm-hmm. um, and then this seemed to be the general vibe from the big Aikai was so that's when I realized that the big Aikai was probably weren't for me uh, that's what kind of put a kind of uh, halt on my trip to Japan because the the big Aikai was they were offering visa sponsorship and that was the big one for me the visa yeah, yeah. Without, without a visa, you got nothing. So um, I started to research a bit more, and I found the the working holiday visa. Um, not every country is able to get a working holiday visa, but apparently Japan and the UK have a pretty tight relationship. So if you're under the age of thirty, I think, mm-hmm. um, and if you have like a degree and a few other bits and pieces, you can just get this visa for a year, where you come out to Japan. And you, yeah, you can essentially just be on holiday for a year uh, and working, obviously, as well to kind of top up your funds. But the idea is that you go backpacking around, you know, different parts of Japan. You don't just kind of stay in one location. Mm -hmm, Um, So I wrote up like an itinerary. I was like, okay, I'm going to go to Tokyo for a couple of weeks. I'm going to go to Osaka for a couple of weeks. I'm going to do this. Uh, Sent it in. Didn't hold my breath because obviously I'd failed the jet application twice. So I was just kind of waiting for the the rejection letter and it came through and it said yep come and collect your visa next wednesday i didn't know you had to go that deeply you have to say what you're doing and stuff right that's pretty crazy yeah 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 um you have to kind of write an itinerary so that they know that you're not just gonna come to japan and stay in one spot they want to see that you're moving around and that you're exploring japan okay um but in all honesty a lot of people say that they're going to go backpacking around and then don't actually do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so then you get, so then you have, wow, you get to Japan, you're there. Did you stick to your itinerary? What did you do? Uh, yeah, well, this is what I mean. So I, I got my apartment um, and it was only a temporary thing. It's uh, like a monthly rental apartment. It's quite expensive, but it's all inclusive. So all your bills, your internet, everything is all included in the one price. Okay. Uh, and that was really convenient for me because I figured, well, if I'm going to follow this itinerary, I can just drop this contract and go to another location. Um, 
but that's not what happened. I got comfortable in this apartment, and I'm still here two and two years and six months later. So. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, uh, I, I've been I've been out and around. I, I have explored. I haven't just stayed in Osaka, but yeah. Yeah. So then you you know you went to Osaka. Was there any grand design of going there? Was it was just the first place in your itinerary, and that's it? Well, I managed to actually come out to Japan on a, a short trip back in 2014. Uh, one of my best friends, he surprised me uh, and said, I've booked two tickets, two flights to Japan, and you're going to pay me back, and you've got until April to do it. <laughs> so that was a kind of, you know, kick up the arse, like, okay, now I seriously have to save. I have to stop buying video games. I have to stop buying all this, like, kind of wrestling merch and stuff. I've got to <laughs> save my money. But I'm, I'm, I'm so glad, like, he did that for me because, for me, that was the wake-up call where I was like, okay, I need to stop wasting my money and properly save to get out here. And we came out for three weeks, and we went to Tokyo, Kyoto, and Osaka, which is, I think, it's the stereotypical kind of tourist triangle that most people do. Mm -hmm. um, and I found Tokyo was a little bit too crazy for me. It was like constantly 100 miles an hour and no time to relax. Um, Kyoto was beautiful, but it was too... I don't know, spread out. There wasn't enough really going on for me in Kyoto. Mm. And Osaka was where I had the most fun. Like everyone says that Osaka is the kind of party capital of Japan. And it's a shame really when most people come out, they skip over Osaka. They go yeah. to like, you know, Tokyo, Kyoto, Hiroshima, and then go home. And I think, you know, if you miss out on Osaka, you're missing out on one of the best. Mm -hmm. so, um, then, so then you're there and you, uh, you obviously like it. You don't stay there. So how did you go exactly, about finding yeah. employment there though, you know? Uh, well, it was, <laughs> this is the, another weird thing as well. Uh, I actually found employment through social media. Oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you remember Vine? Like the six seconds? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, six video. seconds video. Uh, yeah. Well, I was kind of cruising through Vine and there was someone on there who was making these really beautiful cakes, like really artistically drawn cartoon character cakes. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. And it was a girl called Hannah. Um, and she had loads of followers and she was based in Osaka. So when I came out for my, my first trip in 2014, we met up with Hannah and she kind of showed us around Osaka, which was great. And obviously I went back to England and then started studying to, like, to become an English teacher. And I still stayed in touch with Hannah so that when I came back to Japan in September 2015, uh, I met her with her for lunch and she said, well, if you're looking for a job, uh, a friend of a friend works at uh, like an English Eikaiwa in Shinsaibashi, which is in the heart of Osaka. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, yeah, great. So she kind of put me in touch with um, the guy that works there. I went for an interview and yeah, got it. So there you go. Okay. And so, yeah, so that was, that was, I guess you could, lucky is the wrong word, right? Because you did, were proactive enough to say, you know, I'm looking for a job and you met up with this person. So that's kind of cool for sure. Yeah. So yeah. You get credit for that for sure. So then you, yeah. now, you have, now you have a job. I mean, so it's Aikaiwa, is it a normal Aikaiwa position? The hours, you know, starting kind of 12 until late at night. How does it work for you? Uh, my, well, that's the other thing why I went for this Aikaiwa because at that time I, I was handing out my CV to, you know, 15, 16 different Aikaiwas, just hoping that something would catch, you know. Mm. Um, and just like a, like a quick message for anyone who comes out here on a working holiday visa, I mean, you'll, you'll go out, you'll give out your CVs to, to everyone, and there will be maybe three weeks, four weeks, where you won't hear anything back. Like, mm -hmm. And I remember at that time, I was freaking out so much. Like, my mm -hmm. money was 
fast, like really, really quickly, like just depleting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was panicking that I wasn't getting anything. And then everything just came at once. Okay. So, so don't, don't, like, don't freak out, man. Don't freak out. Like it, it will come to you. Just, just be patient. You know, just make sure you saved enough money and you're smart with your money. Um, but yeah, I got the, the, the kind of the message to say, yeah, coming for an interview. And, um, yeah, it, it, it was different to the other Akaiwas because it seems a lot more laid back. Uh, sure, it had a dress code, um, but it wasn't kind of full suits kind of thing. It was, it was shirt, tie, you know, smart trousers, shoes, that kind of thing. But, mm-hmm. um, it definitely felt a lot more relaxed than anything else. Okay. So kind of walking around the Akaiwa, uh, meeting the other teachers, uh, meeting some of the students as well. They were all like, super nice to me um and i felt like yeah you know i could i can develop here you know i think this is where it's it's for me you know that's cool so yeah a lot of people do that i don't don't say a lot of people but people do try to get the working holiday visa to find a job and you made it happen so i guess your what would your advice be to those people would just be just hand out your resume and it's going to take some time or what what kind of would you do it differently if you had another way to another chance at uh, trying to find a job with working holiday visa um I think I went about it the right way, you know. I, I got here, I I packed like uh, twenty CVs with me just in case, you know. Um, mm. But yeah, walk around your kind of local area, uh, get a feel for it, see where the the main schools are, see if you can spot the main kind of competition Akai was, and uh, you know, don't be afraid to kind of explore down uh, kind of different avenues and stuff too. Um, cause at the same time that I started working at, for that Akawa, I found another part-time job at a, a business school, which was like off the beaten track on the seventh floor of some kind of weird apartment building. Mm. But, uh, that, that business gig like pays seriously good money. So <laughs> I was kind of lucky there. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's cool. Okay. That's, that's cool. Then you get, now you start the job, the Akawa job and how did you find it as someone with no teaching experience? I know you had your, your TEFL thing but how was really teaching how yeah. did you find it well the the TEFL obviously it's catered towards teaching um classrooms of children um so adapting that to teaching adults was a little bit difficult but there were a lot of principles there that you can kind of take from you know a lot of it's not relevant you know for example like seating arrangements you know yeah you're, yeah. you're not going to sit the students in the horseshoe shape because there's only two of them you know <laughs> um so it's a little bit different, but the general principles are there, you know, like eliciting answers, concept checking questions, that's all still the same. Using the board, board work is still like really important. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was a learning curve because teaching adults is a lot different from teaching children because mm. as you probably know, with a lot of Japanese people, it's in, ingrained into them that making a, a mistake is the worst thing you can do. Mm-hmm, yep. So if you ask them a question, you know, and they they don't know exactly how to answer it. They they just freeze up. Yeah, you kind of learn over time. I'm sure you have. Like how to ask questions is in a way where there's no kind of wrong answer. You can't say like, "What's exactly. the answer to this?" You don't do that, you know. No, yeah, exactly. You can't keep it like it has to be really open ended, um, mm-hmm. so that whatever answer they give you, you can kind of run with it. Yeah. Even if they even if they've misheard the question. Just yeah, yeah. It, you know, that's a good point. Yeah, sometimes you know, yeah. it's it's and it's the kind of stuff you learn over time. And now that you've been there a few years, I'm sure you're are now a master of the the classroom, correct? Uh, I wouldn't say a master, but I've definitely it's it's all trial and error. You know, you you'll find a lesson, you'll try it out. It won't work. You'll scrap it. 
you know, you'll try another lesson, it'll go really well, you add it to your lesson bank, you know. Um, yeah. And then after six or seven months, you've got a folder just full of awesome lessons, which you know you can just kind of pull out the hat. Yep, that's how it works, that's for sure. And that's, it's good if you save them. Some people don't even save them, you know. Here's a lesson, right. throw it away, don't be dumb. Yeah, like don't do that. No, no, don't do that, yeah. So now knowing now knowing uh, you've been there for years, and I know you, now you've ascended the ranks of that ACI, so now you're the manager of that school, correct? That's right, yeah, yeah. So that so was how a bit does that of a surprise. What is that? How does that work? What, what do you do? Well, I, obviously I started off at the bottom, uh, not knowing anything. Basic hours, I was on about 14 hours a week. Um, but I was making sure that my my lessons were of top quality. Um, at our Aikaiwa, I don't know if it operates the same at other Aikaiwas, but they have like a like a feedback form uh, for the students after each lesson where they grade the lesson like out of five, you know, five being fantastic lesson one being it awful mm-hmm. and um i was constantly getting these five ratings and people were saying oh sean's lessons very easy to understand very fun so i started to develop my my own lessons making my own materials based on the kind of rough curriculum that they had at that school and started sharing those with the other teachers um other teachers started to notice oh you know sean's lesson for this was pretty good let's do this and then my lessons started to spread and um it got to the point where the manager at the time like he he was like fair play to him he was under a lot of pressure uh at that time like the the school was kind of going through a transition period and he was trying to like hire new staff build a curriculum arrange the the schedule for the uh teachers and doing a hundred things at once and not really getting like paid enough for it kind of thing mm-hmm. so he was trying his best, but he started to kind of offload some of the tasks to teachers that he trusted. So he put me in charge of training new teachers, which was kind of a big deal for me. Mm-hmm. Um, then he started asking me to create new lessons, um, and slowly all of these responsibilities started to come to me um, until eventually, like the the Shacho, the CEO, noticed, "Hang on, Sean's doing a lot of work here. Sean, you're the new manager." <laughs> Okay, so well, then what happened to the what happened to the guy you were helping out then? Is he is he just moved on to different job or is he still there doing other stuff? No, he's still at the same job. He he was relieved more than anything, I think. <laughs> okay, okay, cool. So well, that's that's a lot of things to learn from that though. So you you know, first step the choice you made that maybe other people wouldn't make is you kind of decided to branch off and make your own stuff. So that's that's something that not a lot of people do, and it takes extra work. And I'm sure you weren't getting paid any extra for that kind of stuff, were you? That's true, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, you have to do a little bit for free. You have to kind of do it in your own time, your free time. But it, at the end of the day, doing that in your free time makes your work life easier. Yeah, I mean, that's true. It, it, sometimes it just takes five minutes in your free time to make your next whole day so much easier than just, okay, I could use the shitty things that the company has for this curriculum or yeah. I can make my own better worksheet and then your whole day is more fun. So think about that. Guys, people yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's really good advice. Yeah, I mean, obviously, a lot of AKIWAs have been established for a long time as well. They they have materials from like nineteen ninety something. Like even this AKIWA that I'm working at now, like I found some textbooks, and it was something like my the the lesson plan was my daily routine, and it's for absolute basic. You know, like I yeah. wake up, I brush my teeth, and like about tenth or eleventh point down, it was like I watch the movie. I rewind the VHS. I re- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I was like, "Wow!" <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like half my students don't even know what a VHS is, you know. So yeah, this needs to be updated. 
So I think it's worth saying though. So just for clarity, this your school is a small chain or just one-off school? Um, I wouldn't say it's a small chain because we've got schools. Uh, we've got three schools in Osaka, like one in the south, one in the middle, and one in the north. And then we've got one further out in the sticks. Um, but I think I think we're actually planning on opening another school at some point. So it is expanding, but I oh, wouldn't. Okay. You know, I wouldn't say it's a small one. I wouldn't mm. say it's a big one. It's kind of like halfway. So it really, we, we, can, we can learn here is that it's not, a, it's not definitely not one of the biggest, the ones that, you know, are set in their ways. And no matter how hard you worked, it, you'd have a mm. very small chance to move up. But mm. this kind of size school is kind of perfect for what you did. If you work hard and mm. people like your stuff, students like it, then you can move up. And that's really cool. So how about now that you are a manager, um, is there, you don't say how much, of course, but is there some remuneration benefits for being a manager now? Yeah, for sure. Um, like obviously, being a manager, you, you're expected to handle a lot of things, um, even outside of the schools. You know, in your free time, you know, sick messages when people are ill. You know, you've got to find replacement, uh, hiring new staff. All that kind of stuff usually takes place out outside of work. Um, but yeah, my 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 chacho, like he's he's realised now the school is becoming more and more successful, so he's like loosening the purse strings a little bit. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, and I, I kind of sat down with him. And I said, look, you know, previous managers that they've been feeling burnt out because you keep putting all these tasks on them and we need to kind of delegate and kind of share these tasks with other teachers that we trust and give them money for it, you know, and he, you know, typical kind of Japanese CEO kind of mm, giving out money. I don't like the sound of that. Yeah. But as soon as I kind of put it into a business perspective and I said, well, look, you know, if you don't burn out these teachers, these teachers are going to be happy. They're going to stay with us for a longer time. We're not going to have to train new staff. I'm not going to have to waste resources finding new staff. And it just kind of, you know, continued and snowballed from there. And now I've got like a, like an assistant management team that I can trust with tasks. Uh, and then I just kind of take care of the other stuff, which means that I get a little bit of free time as well. Awesome. Yeah, that's really good, really good, awesome stuff there. You know, like that you have, you got, you know, started at the, a, a normal guy from England at their school and look what yeah. you got to this point where you can talk to the, 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 the real CEO and say, Hey, I think this is a good idea. Yeah. That's a good idea. That's pretty crazy. Right. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I guess I want to talk about a little bit about, um, what's the goal from here. Right. So since you're in Japan now and you're like liking it i'm sure i'm, I'm assuming you're having fun i know you're having fun from your social media yeah. stuff so what's your kind of future plans though are you going to keep picking away at this job do you ever kind of think maybe grass might be greener somewhere else or what, what are you thinking um well like during my two and a half years that i've been at this school um i mean the hours that i work now are between 25 to 30 hours a week um which allows me to kind of explore other options and stuff too and working at other places like a couple of hours here and there and um i have worked at other acairas as well just kind of branch out and you know test the water see if the grass is greener yeah. and it does seem like each acairwa it has like uh, like a, a benefit and then like a downfall to it as well yeah um there have been places that i've worked at where it's, it's been great kind of um state-of-the-art technology you know touch whiteboards uh, computers and that kind of thing but it, it's so like on the rails and there's no flexibility. Yeah, it's not for me. Mm. And then uh, I've worked at other Aikaiwas where it's, it's literally just chaos. There's kids running around <laughs> and, and you're like, are they, are they learning English or are they just, <laughs> are they just running around screaming? Like what's going on here? So mm. it's allowed me to kind of explore other Aikaiwas, but 
it's also made me realize the place that I'm at now is pretty much perfect. Mm, that's cool. That's for, cool. for me, anyway, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of, you know, everyone has different needs, right? So some people that just want to go to go to work and come home and then party and do whatever they want, they don't want to think about work at home, you know, but the bigger AKI was a perfect way to do that, right? They have, they tell you exactly what to do, and this is what you do, and that's, that's all you have to do. It's all you have to worry about. Uh, you can't move up like Sean has here, but also, if you want to have, like, mindless AKIWA teaching, you can do that at the bigger chains for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so I guess let's get into your ho- kind of hobby stuff. So a lot of, I mean, a lot of th- problem. not a, a lot of people have this problem, but some people, when they get to Japan, first year is awesome. You know, wow, honeymoon period is awesome. Then they kind of start, you know, some people can start getting burned out. And one way I say to, to help make sure that doesn't happen is, keep your hobbies rolling and you definitely kept your, keep your hobbies rolling for sure. So kind of, was that in your head before you got to Japan? I'm going to make sure I keep working at, at I get yeah, working, but keep enjoying what I love or did you kind of just, just happen naturally for you? Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean like in England, you know, I was a, a big wrestling geek. Um, I'd always try and catch, you know, the indie shows. I'd watch WWE from time to time. Um, but it was in 2013 uh, I went to like a kind of indie show in Wolverhampton, uh, AWW, and one of my friends, Dan, he was uh, wrestling on that show at the time. Oh, wow. Uh, uh, yeah, he, he kind of started off like on the indies and, and kind of built his way up to like the, the main card kind of thing. And he said, come, come and watch the show. And I was like, okay, so I went on to the show to like specifically to watch him. Um, but at the, about the halfway point, there was a, a women's match. And it was uh, Shana, who is from Portugal, I think, um, versus some girl from Wolverhampton, like mm-hmm. a local girl. Like she, so Shana was the, the main attraction kind of thing. And she was playing the heel, uh, which is like the bad guy. And she came out and she was saying, oh, Wolverhampton, this is, you, you're supposed to bring me a challenge and your, your biggest challenge has kind of called off sick or whatever. This place is a joke, blah, 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 blah. And the, uh, the ring announcer came out and he said, whoa, hang on, Shanna, you know, before you get too big for your boots, uh, okay, our challenger has kind of called in sick, but that doesn't mean we haven't got a challenge for you. Everyone was like, whoa, what's going on? So yeah, we actually managed to fly in a challenge for you from Japan. <laughs> and, the, and the audience was like, whoa, from Japan, what? And uh, he said, yeah, we've invited in Emi Sakura. Now everyone kind of went, who? Yeah. <laughs> Um, but like I'd heard the name Emi Sakura before. Uh, she has a wrestling promotion that was based in Thailand called Gato Move. So when I heard Emi Sakura, I started marking out a little bit, you know, getting, <laughs> getting excited. I was like, whoa, I know who she is kind of thing. And she came out and I couldn't believe like she was actually here in Wolverhampton, you know. Uh, but everyone else around me was kind of still, who's, who's this Japanese woman? You know, she looks a little bit old. Is she going to be able to move? Whatever. And, like, I kid you not, okay, that match that was in February 2013 was the best match that I'd seen that entire year. Wow. Including including stuff that was on WWE and any other kind of promotion. If you wanted to, like, just see what I'm on about, if you if you go onto YouTube and you type in uh, Emi Sakura versus Shana, I guarantee it'll be the first hit and all of the comments, like, best match of the year, best match of the year. So... Cool. Fr- from that point, that's when I was hooked into Joshi Pro Wrestling, which is like female pro wrestling, uh, mainly in Japan. Yeah, yeah, it's really, it's really huge. I mean, there's so many, there's so many like, uh, you know, kind of, I don't know what's the word to go, not promoters. What's the kind of companies that do this now? There's a lot of them around Japan, right? That's right. Yeah, and it is really easy to lose track as well because there's so many. Um, I mean, 
in Japan, it's been popular since you know, 1970s or so. Um, I actually made a, a YouTube video which kind of chronicles the entire history of Joshi. Like, if, if you want to go and watch that, you know, go ahead. I'm not going to bore you with the history of it now, but um, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, that that match kind of sparked my interest for Joshi. So I started to research into other um, promotions like Stardom, Wave, Oz, Ice Ribbon, all these other Joshi programs, and that's when I was like, okay, when I get to Japan. I need to go to one of these shows live. I need to see it in person. You know, watching it on YouTube just isn't enough. You know, mm-hmm. how does it work though? Like, you know, because I'm let's talk about for me. I'm when I was a kid, right? Wrestling was WWF. You know, mm. and like every week you watch a TV show, and that's how you keep up with the storylines. Mm. But for this, there's no TV show, right? So, is there storylines that continue like that? That's right. Yeah. Um, I mean, th- there are TV shows uh, on Samurai TV uh, where they show you know the live broadcasts every so often, and I think now social media plays a big part in the storytelling. Um, mm. So even if you can't make it to one of the shows, someone from the promotion will update uh, their kind of social media to tell you what advancements have been made in the story, who beat who, uh, who the next challenger is, and the story kind of flows kind of organically like that. Oh, okay, that's cool. And like, how, how about like the live shows? Because I know you got a lot of live shows. You meet a lot of these wrestlers too. So do they do? Is it like? Do they do a show, most of the shows in Tokyo, but some in Osaka, or there is there a lot of shows in Osaka all the time? Um, it's mainly in, in Tokyo, and from time to time they come to Osaka. Um, some of them are kind of Kansai-based, like uh, Oz Academy, I think, is based in Kansai, so they do more shows in like Osaka or in Kyoto. Um, but play, companies like Stardom and uh, like Ice Ribbon, uh, Tokyo Joshi Pro, obviously they are all based in Tokyo and come to Osaka maybe once every four months or so. So then that's, but that, then you make sure make a point to go then, right? Yeah. If, if I'm not working, then yeah, I definitely go. If, if I am working, I, I see if I can kind of book it off if it's too late or whatever. And then I'll, I'll try my best to try and get there as well. So how about, as I see, like you have a lot of pictures, you, you go, with the, you know, you meet the wrestlers and like, I don't know, the backstage or whatever, they have a meeting greets or whatever. So do you, do you talk, do you try to get your Japanese up and talk to them or how's kind of your Japanese level at this point? Yeah. Um, I mean, my, my Japanese was always at a basic level when I first came out, but then obviously living out here, it, it skyrockets, you know, cause you're using, using Japanese every day. You're hearing Japanese every day. Um, so my, my Japanese now is at kind of conversational level. And mm-hmm. that always surprises the wrestlers because their usual interaction with foreigners are people who are tourists kind of coming over. And, yeah. you know, it'd be like, oh, konnichiwa, uh, hajime mashite, <laughs> <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, so when I come in, uh, you know, uh, like, oh, dojo roshiku, shon desu, and they switch. And then they realize I can speak Japanese and they kind of open up a lot more and I can kind of talk to them uh, and that's when I get a little bit cheeky and I'll say oh, like, can I have a photo can I have a photo with you and they're oh much you much like, of course of course and they kind of yeah. shuffle me in kind of thing um, the general rule at these kind of shows is that you can take a picture of the wrestler but you can't take a picture with the wrestler okay um, I think part of that is to do with like creepy hands you know Ah, uh, that makes sense. Yeah, where are you going to put your hand? Yeah. Right? It's a big thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I think I had a bit of a problem with that. So now it's like a, a general rule. You can take a picture of the wrestler, but not with them. Um, they do uh, like a two-shot ticket kind of thing, which is like you, most promotions where you, you pay like a thousand yen uh, and they'll take a Polaroid. 
but it will be like a, a set pose kind of thing. You know, say, oh, uh, do, okay. do this with your hands, you know, stand like this kind of thing. Um, just to make sure that no one's kind of getting all touchy-feely or creepy or whatever. And just because, you know, I know you're not like this, but have you seen guys that are have uh, nefarious purposes? Um, not really. I, I've, I've seen a couple of Japanese guys, but I think it might be just be harmless more than anything. Um, mm. But, yeah, I think I can see why why they do it. You know, it's... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Safety, I but, can imagine. Yeah. Because you know, not ev- not everyone's a cool guy that just enjoys the the skill of the wrestlers. Yeah, sure. yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, yeah, so I guess to kind of close it out, um, I guess we learn what I learned from you. I hope people learned from you is like you didn't you got to Japan, you kept your hobbies rolling, which is the main thing. But outside of that, in the work inside of things, you really worked hard to get you know do your best to make your own work easier. And then as you do that, you made your life for the company easier. And then when you do that for a company, you usually get rewarded. And that's pretty cool for sure. So any advice for anyone coming to Japan these days, you know, in the next month or two, what kind of advice would you give them to make sure they have a successful time in Japan like you have yourself? Uh, I guess the biggest advice would be uh, not to panic. Uh, If you're coming over here on a working holiday visa, there will be a period where you won't hear anything back. You won't get any emails and you'll probably feel like, oh crap, I'm going to have to go home. But sit it out, you know, make sure you're active, you're going out to Akaiwas, you're exploring, you're actually going to the Akaiwas, showing your face, um, checking out if it's the right kind of deal for you. And most importantly as well, make sure you find a company that you like and feel like it's suitable for you. Um, you, Mm. You're coming to Japan to have a fun time, right? You're You're not coming out to Japan to grind yourself down to the bone and working 45 hours a week you know you want to come out you want to have fun and yeah like i do you know save time for your hobbies as well awesome yeah that's good advice all around so thanks sean good luck i know you're gonna keep you know rocking and rolling in osaka so uh, yeah hopefully i go to osaka we got to meet up and you can take me to one of these wrestling events all right yeah for sure all right man take it easy yeah thanks man thanks for listening to the alt insider podcast for more info on how you can have more fun working in japan visit altinsider.com. See you next time.